Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast. You're on Westwood One. That would be me. Powered by CRTV. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Speaking of CRTV, we just wrapped up putting together today's television show for CRTV. Todd and Aaron are here with us. Gentlemen, the program we just concluded, let's give the audience a little preview of what is to come. Aaron, I'll start with you. I learned today that uh, patience is uh, something I think we need a little bit more of uh, across the spectrum, as it especially pertains to this memo that's coming out. I had somebody uh, message me, and we talked about this on the roundtable today. We, we, uh, I had somebody message me on Twitter Saying you guys have been right about everything, but uh, you don't, you just don't get it about this memo. You've been completely off about this memo. I'm thinking, how how can we be right or wrong about something we haven't even seen? If what's being said about McCabe being fired is true, uh, because of the contents of this memo, then maybe that's an indication of of the rest of the contents. Uh, but we don't know that, so it's we're getting closer to finding out what's actually in the memo. Uh, just, just patience. It could be big. It could be. Uh, uh, it could be nothing. Let's just wait. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I had somebody tweet me yesterday. I can't believe you're giving this memo credence. And I tweeted back to him. How can I agree or or, or, or believe something or not believe something? I've yet to read. <laughs> can someone? How do? You, how does that happen? I don't know that I've ever seen more partisan rancor over something. A, 99.9999999999% of people haven't seen. I mean, there, there is a Democratic congressman today that is alleging that Nunez hasn't even read his own memo. Now, I have no idea whether that's true or not. But as I said earlier, let's just put him out there. And I, this is what I've said all along. How can I be wrong about a take that says, I don't know what to think until I've read it? It's like I'm not giving a take. It's like how so I can I be wrong? Michigan's definitely going to win versus Ohio State, and if you think anything else, then you're I can't believe I can't believe you. You're, I can't believe you're wrong about it. It's like arguing about the result of a game that hasn't even happened. yet. Exactly. Now I'll say this: while I, while Trey Gowdy's record on policy is dramatically overrated, pa- total paper tiger, paper mache. The way politically he has handled this story from day one, going back a year now. In my view, has been politically perfect. He has criticized hyper-partisan attacks against Mueller and the Department of Justice as a former federal prosecutor. Perfect. I mean, he's built up himself some street cred, all right, with his willingness to call each side on their horse bucky on this. So the stuff he is saying right now that's in the memo, what he has said the last 48 hours is really the first time in the entire Mueller-Russia uh, collusion 
in, in the nearly full year, we as a public have been subjected to this story. Nonstop. This is the first time Trey Gowdy's gone Mean Gene Okerlund. You know what I'm saying? You know my pro wrestling, my, my old time, old school pro wrestling references. Okay, this is the first time he's gone hype. He's gone hype man. All right. So that I'm inclined to think, given his past history of measured responses during this entire alleged controversy, that now that the thing is about to come out, now he has suddenly fired up the hype machine. I'm inclined to think. Eh, and okay. Ryan is out there too. Yeah. On the other hand, though, I still. I've got this funny thing, you know, I believe in self-government. So I'd, I'd like to see it for myself. That's all. And I'd like to see what the democratic response to it is. I'd like to see that for myself. That's not a take. I'm reserving judgment, having a take, until I actually see what you're asking me to take on. Gosh! Todd, what stood out to you? Well, the, the nonstop parsing of McCabe's motivations, unless something else broke today, that I don't know about. He he could be leaving earlier than he was going to leave for reasons that are totally nefarious or because he's actually one of the good guys and he's just like, man, what's the point? I'm tapping out. And here we are. I mean, there's people on Twitter. They're like examining his chakras, checking out if he's born a Gemini. I mean, really, they, <laughs> they just need this to be deep throat so bad or the opposite of deep throat. Uh, and so that speaks to your exact point that you closed with. I Unfortunately, the drip, 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 the death by a thousand cuts, the, the seeming vetting that we talked about of, of talking, you're, you're kind of getting your talking points by slowly putting things out there and seeing who's biting on what. It unfortunately leads to this kind of thing. Uh, can, can we just know? I just would like to know. That's all. What's wrong with that? I, I'm, we're literally taking criticism because we refuse to speculate about something we don't know about. I'm hearing that right. All right. That's yep. okay. Yep. Okay. It's a great gig. Yep. All right. Let's get to today's podcast. It's a pop culture Tuesday. All right. So we're going to talk about, I already made one little pro wrestling reference. We're going to talk about Vince McMahon today. Indeed. Sorry, that was Ric Flair, but whatever. You know what, though? You can never go wrong with that. Yeah. Can never go wrong with that. If you got to walk that aisle, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. The four horsemen. When I, little Stevie in suburban Grand Rapids, Michigan, spent many a Saturday night. Now, I was a Hulkamaniac, man. Hulkamaniac. I had the pro wrestling album. I watched the cartoon. Me and Todd Zylstra, he lived on Den Hartog Street in Wyoming, Michigan. He had a pool. We used to go there and reenact Mac Don, Magnificent Don Morocco versus Jimmy Superfly Snuka Steel Cage match from, from way back in the original WrestleMania days. And he had this deck. His dad had built this deck around their above-ground pool. And, and we used to climb up completely not safe, by the way. Don't try this at home. Climb up to, like, the top ledge and, and do the Jimmy Superfly snucka off the, top of the, uh, uh, off the top of the steel cage. I mean, I was into this. I'm going to get choked okay. up. This is, you, I'm, I'm throwing I, you back, aren't oh, I? Oh, me and my brother? Yes. And, and I, I, I always felt, you know, back, this is before Vince McMahon bought every wrestling enterprise that matters. 
There was a real rivalry, Ted Turner and Vince McMahon. McMahon owned the WWF. Ted Turner owned it. First it was the NWA, and then it became the uh, WCW. And they were always trying to top each other. So McMahon would have WrestleMania. Turner would do Starcade. And and then there was summer. Then then McMahon would have SummerSlam, and Ted Turner would do the Great American Bash, where they'd do like a SummerSlam, a tour of SummerSlams all over the country. Okay, they were always trying to one up each other. Uh, USA Network is where McMahon, a lot of McMahon stuff originally started out back in the day. Turner, of course, was on TBS because that was his network. And. I used to feel like a bit of a traitor because I really was a real Hulkamaniac, but I couldn't help. I was transfixed by Ric Flair in front of the camera when I was a little boy. I mean, I, I can, in my mind's eye, I can almost give you verbatim his rants and the platinum blonde hair and holding up the Rolexes. All right. Uh, and the four, and they, inv- and to, to counterbalance that the WWF built themselves a huge brand around a pro America, patriotic, traditional values, good, goody two shoes like Hulk Hogan, the WCW built its brand around the ultimate villains, the Four Horsemen. Rick, the original Four Horsemen, Ric Flair, Ole Anderson, R. Anderson, Tolly Blanchard. You impressed I pulled that out? I didn't have to even reach deep into the rectum for that one, brother. It's right in the front of the uh, of the uh, uh, the brainy brain cavity, right there. You, you're impressed, aren't you? I am. So I stopped watching this. No. Yeah, I can still give you. Oh hell yeah! I can still give you a, sto- a Stone Cold Steve Austin, or or maybe a. Uh, oh yeah! Oh my Randy Macho Man Savage. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I was in. What crushed me though. Is I was 14 years old, I got up one morning to read the Grand Rapids Press, local paper, and they had like the little news and notes section. And I had just gone to see WWF at Stadium Arena in Grand Rapids like the night before. And Hacksaw Jim Duggan was there wrestling the Iron Sheik, whom Hulk Hogan, trivia, who did Hulk Hogan originally beat for the first time to be the heavyweight champion? Who was it? It was the, the Iron Sheik, Sheik. wasn't it? Yep. He was the first person to ever break through the camel clutch. I know my stuff from that era. The I know camel it. Camel clutch. Okay. How, how close did many of us come to like severing our friends' spines or I our own I can't tell you how many that? times I nearly blew kids' knees out doing the Ric Flair figure four. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, there's a story in the Grand Rapids Press, and... Hacksaw Jim Duggan was the main event in my hometown, and he had just got done taking on Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. And it, it mentions three professional wrestling stars, and it gives their real names. I didn't recognize their names. And they had gotten busted the night before. They had, a cop had pulled them over, and I don't, know if it, I don't remember if it was drunk driving, weed, but they'd been out partying together. And then the next paragraph, it says, otherwise known as Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the Iron Sheik, and Nikolai Volkov. I thought this stuff was real, yo. <laughs> okay? I mean, I was in. I really thought the Iron Sheik was an emissary from Iran. I really thought Nikolai Volkov was a freaking commie pinko, man. I was in. See, they hadn't let us in yet that this was all scripted. That would come a, that would come a couple years later when you had the massive steroid trial, and they openly admitted we're not a sport, we're sports entertainment. Okay? But you, do you remember, remember how huge it was when Hulk Hogan wrestled the Ultimate Warrior? Remember that how at that WrestleMania when Hogan that was the largest indoor crowd in American history for a sporting event remains the Pontiac Silverdome 
in my backyard growing up, WrestleMania three, and what was famous at that event? Who did Hulk Hogan become the first person to ever body slam? Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant. They had not let people in on the fact this wasn't real yet. I mean, you see people bleeding and stuff. Then I go back and I read the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, talking about putting razor blades in his taped fingers to cut himself. So, Because otherwise, nobody believes you keep getting thrown in front of a steel cage and nobody's bleeding. You know what I'm saying? I thought this stuff was real, man. I was in. And it just kind of crushed me. But that's how convincing of a promoter and an entertainer Vince McMahon is. Last summer... We were bored one Saturday night, me and the kids, and something about pro wrestling came on, and, and, and they don't know much about it. My kids don't. And they kind of thought it was kind of funny that people were buying into this. And I went on YouTube, and I showed them the ori- some of the original stuff with The Undertaker. Do you remember when he first came out? Just Vaguely. freaking blew people away. I mean, it was creepy. It was scary. That really okay. huge dude, right? Like, yeah. yeah. He just retired like a year or two ago, I read. So, I mean, he was wrestling for years. And his manager, Paul Bear, remember that guy? Okay. No. And the way the music and the, and when I, even my teenage daughter was like, I can totally see why people are into this. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's, that is your modern day PT Barnum. Yeah. Vince McMahon. That's, I mean, he is, he's, he's our era's greatest showman in many respects. And now he wants to take a second stab at football. And the first time he tried this, I was like, no way. I'm a total NFL loyalist. Because all of us here on this show love football. Just to give you some of my credentials, man. I, I've done my own college football preview every year since I was in the 10th grade. That was 1988. I just finished my 25th anniversary year playing fantasy football. I've had the NFL Sunday ticket since 2000. I got I got DirecTV. I, I got rid of cable and got DirecTV to get the NFL Sunday ticket. Um, I've talked before. The way our house rolls, nine months out of the year, as best as my career will allow, I schedule my weekends around what the other four members of our family need. And then exchange, as best they can, the last, or the, 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 or the last eight, yeah, September, October, November. They schedule their weekends around as best they can. My schedule, because daddy gets football season. But like a lot of other Americans, despite how much I love football, the NFL is testing my patience. And it's, it's not just the protests. That, that's making some systemic issues worse. You know what I'm saying? It's, that's kind of like, oh, now you're going to do that to me too. It's... it's the league has been infested with progressivism beyond the protests. It's in the way that it applies its rules. There's this utopian, egalitarian ideology that we can, everything can be perfect. Do you know what a catch is? Do you guys know? No. We debate this. Else. We've been debating this since Calvin Johnson of my beloved Detroit Lions, who I've told you before, only exists to clarify obscure NFL rules as a franchise. That's why they're there. To crush their fans and clarify obscure NFL rules. We thought we knew what a catch was until the Calvin Johnson game against the Bears. Remember that? Yeah. And that was, what, seven or eight, six or seven years ago. And ever since then, the rule just seems to change all the time. We don't know. Who the hell knows what it is? And it's because of this progressive notion that we can have equal outcomes. And what's even more amazing about this, really? It's, it's like when... 
it's not just any old catch. It's when great, meaningful catches that yeah. we all look yeah. at and say, that was a great catch. Well, Those are the ones steal- who aren't a catch you anymore. Can take a, you, and Patriots game this I was just going to say, you could argue the New England Patriots are in the Super Bowl because of what they couldn't tell was a catch versus the Pittsburgh Steelers in week 16. The second to la- Was that second or third to last week of the season, actually? If the Steelers hold on and win that game, they have home field advantage in the playoffs and... Maybe things turn out a lot differently for New England at that point. We don't know. I mean, it's tough to argue with that now the Jacksonville Jaguars went in there and beat the Steelers in their own crib. But that's how the Patriots got home field advantage, was that call. It's what they've done to instant replay. Now, I, I, I believe in getting it right when we can. That's the key expression, when we can. This is not a perfect world. We can't always get things right. There's always going to be some injustice somewhere. But we don't create injustices in order to fight injustice. That's why I don't believe in an all-powerful government. As best we can, we make, we make the opportunity as equal as we can. Not the outcome, but the opportunity. But now, again, we are reverse engineering outcomes of games. Because of the desire to get perfect, they have taken something that should have been a benefit at instant replay. And they have destroyed it. It bogs down the game, the constant break, the constant check this, what's this, what's that, all the time. And then, and then the way they've crushed individual. now they're trying to, they, this year they said you can celebrate touchdowns again. But for the last 15, 20 years, remember the fun bunch? Remember the Redskins? How they used oh, to yeah. celebrate in the end zone? Yeah. Now, remember Billy White Shoes Johnson? Remember yes. that stuff when we were kids? The Icky Shuffle? Remember that stuff? Aaron is over there probably thinking, what in the Sam Hill Pro Football are you talking about? Yeah. This, this used to be a different game. I remember the Johnny Morton. I, I was alive to remember Johnny Morton, a receiver for the Kansas City. Yeah, he used to play for my Lions. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he did the worm. That was fun. I remember that. Yeah. Tony Gonzalez used to dunk it over the yep. uh, over the crossbar. Can't do that anymore. And then, of course, what happens is a total douchebag named Terrell Owens decides that he's gonna he's gonna start take squatting and taking dumps on the star in Dallas. And and you Randy know, Moss decides to moon right, the uh, Green just, Bay Packers. It fans. goes nuts, yeah. and then the the league just cracks down on all this stuff because we seemingly can't be adults. We can't just say to Terrell Owens and Randy Moss, you, "Don't be a douchebag, and we'll fine you." But no, now we gotta we gotta again. That's that's the egalitarian streak. One or two people use their freedom poorly. It means everybody has to lose their freedom. That's a that's egalitarian, utilitarian, progressive thought, guys, and it has permeated this league. And for a long time, the only individuality that was allowed is if you were auditioning for a spot in Al Jazeera America. If you're John Kitna and you wear a cross on your on your on your hat to go to practice, that's a fine. But if you write "cops or pigs" on your shoes, it's not. Okay. <laughs> All of that, and now you're telling me that a bunch of dudes who look like Adonis on the outside, but on the inside are just your typical millennial snowflakes who think being heard means they're doing something constructive. Who are kneeling for no outcome, no, 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 no end game that, that can be known. 300-pound defensive tackles for the Seattle Seahawks are claiming two minority spindly cops pin them down Rodney King style, and then the tape comes out, and he just completely lied about the whole thing. Why? Because he just wants Jamel Hill to fawn about him on SportsCenter and get his SW day, SW, SJW street cred, yo. That's why. The league has beyond tested my patience. And the protest, the silly protest movement is, is just like... 
Now you're just saying to me, and the horse you rode in on. I mean, this, this, there's no successful enterprise other than the Republican Party has tried so hard to alienate its primary customers as this league has. And the declining television ratings, they were bad last year. They've dropped again this year. They're down across the board in the playoffs even by over 20%. I think it's 24% ratings decline. So when, I, when previously I was like, hey, Vince, stay in your lane. Now I'm kind of like, I'm interested. Tell me more. Tell me more. Let's see what we can do. Yep. So I have 10 suggestions for Vince McMahon. So not so much tell me more. Like, let me tell you how this is going to go. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> let me tell you more. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was wondering if anybody's going to pick up on that. <laughs> I'm listening as you let me sell you on what you should do, yes. <laughs> and then I'll be listening to your response to what I just said. Right. So here are the 10 things. If I were sitting in Vince McMahon's office in Stanford, Connecticut right now, this is what I would say. Number one, eliminate instant replay. Did that just happen, America? This, this, is, a, this I, is a special moment. I, Wow. I still believe it, believe in it as an institution. But the reason I have this one number one is because what's missing in the NFL is whenever you, be, whenever you adopt progressive egalitarian utilitarianism, you get what they warned us about in my all-time favorite animated movie, The Incredibles. If everyone's special, nobody is. The reason why Tony Romo took off this year as a broadcaster is because since Madden's retirement nearly a decade ago, we have lacked someone that really had a personality that, you know, other than Gruden. And that's why Gruden was so popular on Monday Night Football. People who actually would say, yeah, that's not how we do that. That's that's terrible. Okay, we've lacked that in this league. So from the outset... The way to compete with the NFL is drama and narrative. Nothing creates more drama and narrative than imperfect outcomes. For many years, college football became one of the most powerful and popular sports in America by having the worst postseason. One year, the University of Miami was ranked number five. They beat number one Nebraska in the Orange Bowl, and they soared to number one because number two, three, and four lost on the same day. Well, number three, Auburn won, but they didn't come close to covering the spread against my Michigan Wolverine, so it wasn't considered impressive enough. Totally subjective. So guess what fans did for the next nine months until the next season started? They argued about it. They debated it. So the season never went away. And we had shared titles and everything else. We had the BCS. It was how the controversy over why are these the final two. Now we have the final four. And what did we melt down about the entire month of December when games were not being played? Who should have been in? Alabama or Ohio State, right? College football, by not, by not permitting the perfect outcome, has created drama and narrative that has helped the sport explode in popularity. Set the tone right away by getting rid of instant replay. Thumbs up or thumbs down so far? Thumbs up. I don't have enough thumbs, and they're all up. 
I've, I've worked so hard, America. Todd, he, he Todd just took off his shoes. His toes are up. He listened, America. His hair standing up as we speak. Number two, then. Have a more violent game on the field and a zero-tolerance policy for violence off the field. The NFL keeps creating all these rules to try and anesthetize its game. What happened to your favorite player, your star quarterback this year? Where was he? Out for a long time. And how many stories? There's a reason why the last two quarterbacks standing in the NFC, guys, were Nick Foles and Case Keenum. A, a twice discarded former, uh, uh, you know, a free agent and a guy who was undrafted out of college were the final two quarterbacks standing in the NFC. Why? Aaron Rodgers in all these injuries to all these star players. So the NFL's attempts to anesthetize the game, again, are just dragging down the gameplay, and they're not they're not minimizing injuries. So here's the thing. If you're clearly attempting to injure a player, you know, the kind of stuff Indomitian and Sue used to do when he played for my Detroit Lions. If you're doing that, we govern your sport, Vince, like they do the Audubon in Germany. There is no speed limit. But if we catch you one time driving recklessly or driving intoxicated, you never drive again. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a, it, it's a violent game. It's football. Men don't have to play. You don't get drafted into this. You don't have to go. Men do all kinds of dangerous things, firemen, cops, soldiers, to, to serve other people and feed their families. This is not any different than that. You're knowingly, you know what you're getting yourself into. Make sure you have the best equipment possible, but beyond that, let them play. If someone is attempting to injure a player, hammer them mercilessly make an example out of them other than that let them play the sport and if they misbehave off the field gone it's like you were it's like your daddy wore a condom that night we never heard of you you were never born you're out period thumbs up or thumbs down big thumbs up big thumbs up again number three place teams in major markets that don't have nfl franchises let me give you an example birmingham alabama is a bigger television market than buffalo jacksonville new orleans where the nfl has franchises they don't have a team for the for the, it's like eleven years in a row. They have been the number one per capita television rating market for college football. Birmingham, Alabama, means they love it. Other markets that are in the top ten nationally: Oklahoma City, Columbus, Ohio. Okay, these are top fifty and in some cases top twenty-five television markets that don't have NFL franchises that go nuts for college football, and that means they're even watching it when the local team's not on. They're watching it. Start there. Build brand loyalty in places that love your sport to begin with because you can always add in the elite markets later, plus the cost of doing business, the real estate, the labor in in New York and California and Illinois. If you want to be in New York City at Los Angeles and Chicago is sky high. And I'm going to give you away. I'm going to give Vince McMahon away. He's going to reach the fans in those cities even without teams in a minute. Okay, but that's point number three. Thumbs up or thumbs Thumbs up. This is actually I've read through all of these and this is actually my favorite idea of all of them is going to these kinds of markets. Yes, that's going to be the smartest thing I think that they can do. Not to mention those were the main it was that's why Vince McMahon made a big deal to put WrestleMania in Madison Square Garden outside of Madison Square Garden. It was Charlotte, North Carolina was the market that blew up for WCW wrestling for Ted Turner. Okay, so that's where I would start in places like that, rather than trying to get into the top five or ten markets right away. 
unless the city governments there really want you there and they give you a sweetheart deal, then I would start on a little on that periphery. Because there's ways to get fans in those cities, and that gives me to my fourth point. Create your own daily fantasy football mechanism that people come to your XFL website in order to play. Fantasy football, if you want to know why the NFL is idiot-proof, it will never go away. Ever. 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 Why? Gambling is one. Which the XFL, if the product's good enough, they'll get access to that too. Number two is fantasy football. Fantasy football in 2013, Forbes did an analysis. This was before daily fantasy really became a thing. In 2013, Forbes said their estimates were it's a $70 billion, $70 billion a year industry. Billion, guys. It's a bigger industry than the National Hockey League is. And it's an offshoot of the NFL. When you have those sorts of secondary revenue streams that give people another reason to invest in your product, even if I don't care about the teams that are playing... You're bulletproof, man. The XFL should tie into that, but have their own daily fantasy mechanism. Now, how you get around, because now here, if you live in a state like Iowa, we can't play daily fantasy. It's considered gambling. Here's how you get around that. You make it like, you, you structure it like a game show, meaning customers don't buy in. They don't purchase, they don't, there's not a pot. It's a game show. You have sponsors put up the, 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 the prizes, the cash awards, prizes that they're playing for. Well, Steve, how do you monetize that? Well, one, you sell that to a sponsor. Two, you know the amount of data you're going to collect from the people that come to sign up to register on your site to play this? And in today's digital economy, that data is mega dollars. What the XFL can use to market itself, their other financial partners, business partners, with that data that they've acquired from that fantasy component. And that's how you get those football fans in Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles, that's how you get their eyeballs watching your teams when they don't have a stake in it. It's the same reason when you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, Aaron. Mm -hmm. You're watching Week 16, the Carolina Panthers playing the Atlanta Falcons. Why do you care? Because I'm in the fantasy playoffs, baby, and I've I've got... 200 bucks on the line. Yeah, and I've got Matt Ryan, and the other guy has... Um, uh, you know, the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Newton. Cam, Cam Newton, thank you. That's why you watch. Create that element with your own league, but do it yourself. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, thumbs up. To me, this is like, uh, has a feel of the uh, NCAA um, uh, basketball bracketology. The, yes. You, you, people who even aren't interested in college yes. football love this. Yes, absolutely. You bet. And, it's, and you put it up on, and, and don't have games on two or three days. They're all on one day a week. So people, people can conglomerate on your website and just hang there in clusters following their, fantasy, their XFL fantasy team all day long. Number five, use storylines to capture imagination like McMahon did with pro wrestling. Now, I don't mean contriving and scripting outcomes like they do in wrestling. What I mean is go sign Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel. Colin Kaepernick? Go sign Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick, yeah. Tell him, he, tell him he's welcome to say whatever he wants away from the field whenever he wants. But, you know, you stand for the national anthem. If you do that, you can, we don't care what your politics are. And that goes for any player, right or left. Say whatever you want when you're not between the white lines. You come to work here, though, these are our, these are our methods and procedures. But you want heroes and villains, heroes and heels. You want that. You want 
the brash, loathsome, rebellious former Heisman winner Johnny Manziel taking on the choir boy, beloved former Heisman winner Tim Tebow. And you, and that that's in your, you and that's they're playing a game right there in the heart of the Bible Belt, like Birmingham, Alabama. Now I care. Now I care. Now I'm tuning in. Create storylines. Thumbs up or thumbs down. With those personalities, thumbs up. It's definitely thumbs up again. Number six, have schematic diversity in your coaching staffs. Go get a wishbone coach, triple option. Go get a run and shoot coach. Go get a coach that runs a college RPO scheme. Go get a coach that has a conventional pro style offense. And so the NFL is a copycat league. One team does the zone blitz. The Steelers invent it. Every team does an element of it. One team creates the West Coast offense. Every team does an element of it. Okay? You want a league of, of distinctions, clashing styles. Let's, let's see what it looks like when a triple option team plays. One team's out there with, with uh, running a triple option. The other team's out there running four or five wide receiver sets. Again, diversity's your friend rather than conformity that the NFL demands. Thumbs up or thumbs down? I I really miss old school Nebraska football when Tommy Frazier when sure. you know, that was awesome to watch it was beautiful I give this a thumbs down not because I don't like it I this one seems the least likely of everything to happen okay all right I like the I I like I like it uh, I I would still give it a thumbs up I just I like the whole idea of this the whole thing so everything's going to be a thumbs up to me. <laughs> He's getting paid this week. <laughs> Number eight. He needed to do me a solid. He, he showed me up twice last week. He outdid the boss twice last week. I, I needed a little uh, reassurance. Thank you, Aaron. You bet. Uh, number seven. Put the fans in the field with modern innovation. Let's hear everything. Well, I mean, Steve, if they call the signals and the fans can hear that, it, by the time the opposing coaches in the other box would get fed that signal, of what's coming. And the idea that they could then feed that down to their own team, the game moves too fast. Okay? And not to mention, who cares? It's the XFL, guys. Okay? That's, I mean, this is, this is about drama storyline. You know? Put us on the field. Every position group ought to have a miniature mic'd helmet cam. And you have, and your digital online platform partner, say Hulu, you can either watch the game on, you know, USA Network or whoever is the pet network of, of Vince Mc, of, the, of the league. And then if you, if you want, you can be on your iPad. And while you're watching it, the, the actual game presentation, on your iPad, you have the Hulu, XFL channel on Hulu, and, and, and there's a grid. Linebackers, defensive backs, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. And you can click on that grid just like you can on DirecTV, like Channel 2.0, the first sports channel that lays out all the various channels. You click on the one you want, and that's the one that gets highlighted. You can put yourself in the huddle. What are the signals? What are they saying? Put us on the field. Make the game more accessible. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. It would be very cool. But now that the uh, baseball all-star game wasn't attached to World Series mm-hmm. home field advantage, and they – during the game they were had people mic'd up they were talking to them while the game was going on outfielders football is a different sport but the 
to the degree that you can do things like that within football and bring it into your living room it's absolutely i mean impossible. i want to hear the smack talk aaron yeah let, let, put us there mm-hmm. and and you put it online that way of because obviously you're going to hear language that ain't the queen's english okay but that's why you put it online and there's another th- that's a place where you're not necessarily putting that over the public airwaves that you know need to be a safer space and the whole point of this aside from just it being really cool is that this is something the nfl would never do Yes. Unique selling propositions. All of these are you, what we call USPs, unique selling propositions. Right. That's All I'm doing is, is, is here's the, in my opinion, if I can narrow this down, here are the 10 best ways to be the anti-NFL. That's all I'm doing here. Yep. Number nine, or number eight, use media partners that are not currently working with the NFL. Because you don't, if you're going to compete with them hard, you don't want your media partners to be like, well, we're going to bid on Monday Night Football next year, and if we do that, you know, the NFL, we may lose. No, nope, you don't want to do that. You want to have people that are loyal to you and your brand. And, and you have leverage with them because you have the longest successful concurrently running cable, news, cable show in the history of the platform called Raw. You have leverage with them. And you say, hey, well, yeah, I guess if you don't want to do business with us, then, you know, we'll... We'll put Raw on AMC right after The Walking Dead then. How's that? How you, right before. How do you like them apples? You have, you have leverage there. And go get voices that, are, that aren't on NFL Sundays that people know. Let's hear Brent Musburger say, you are looking live at Birmingham Stadium, or Legion Field in Birmingham, Alabama. You know what I'm saying? That, go get voices people know that aren't currently calling NFL games. Kevin Harlan is great calling NFL games on the radio. But people, most people don't listen to NFL games on the radio. Now, they've heard him do NBA playoffs, and he's fantastic. Yep. Go get somebody like him, Brett Musburger, and make the atmosphere big time. Todd, Aaron, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Thumbs up again. Number nine, start your season the weekend after the Final Four. The one thing McMahon said last week I disagreed with is, this, is that they're going to start late January, early February. Do not start this after the regular season or right after the Super Bowl. Because then what happens is... You go right into March. That should be the meat of your season, right? But the entire sports consciousness in America is consumed by what? March Madness. March Madness. The two biggest days of betting in Vegas every year are Super Bowl Sunday. Do you know what number two is? Selection Sunday. No, it's the first two days of the NCAA tournament, that first Thursday and Friday. Right, that's the, the next to the Super Bowl Sunday. That's the biggest action in Vegas. You don't want to get you you want to you don't want to give network, ancillary networks like ESPN and others. You don't want to give them an excuse not to cover you to say, well, we've got this going on instead. So the sweet spot is right after the Final Four, second weekend in April. Start your season then. Have you noticed that we've gone from now, now like every Power 5 conference school in college football, their spring game is on television somewhere? Somewhere from early right. April to the 1st of May? Why are they doing that? Because those things draw ratings. People, that's when we start getting desperate for football. Why do they put the college football and NFL preview magazines out Memorial Day weekend and not July 4th weekend or the 1st of August when the season's closer? Because by then, by then half the baseball teams are out of it. We're down to only two or three teams left in the NBA. During the dog days of fandom, and, and you're a football fan, that's, those magazines, those previews are what gets you through the rest of the offseason. One of the highest rated, other than actual NFL broadcasts and NBA playoff games, do you know what the next highest rated pro show on ESPN is every year? The NFL Draft. Right there in late April, early May. Own that 
that barrier right there, that 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 niche. So start the second week of April, have a 10-week season, two four-team divisions, the champion of each division plays in the championship game, and you're and you you you've taken people right up to when the NFL preseason starts. And you own that niche. Thumbs up or thumbs down. I would have originally said, you know, you can just start at any time as long as it's not during the football season. Otherwise, you're going to make the same mistake that what that the uh, oh, what was the Trump thing that he got USFL into? USFL. You're going to make the same mistake that they made. Uh, but this is actually a better idea. That's thinking it through a little bit, especially if you're only going to have a two and a half. Uh, well, it'll be a three month season basically, um, starting mid April or early April. That's going to be perfect timing, as you said, to take you up at least towards training camp, which is really when the big action starts for the NFL. Well, and Todd, you and I remember when the USFL were launched, we were kids. Yeah. And the USFL, the problem, there's a problem with playing when the NCAA tournament wasn't as big in 1982, 83, and 84 as it is now. We hadn't even gone to a 64-team tournament yet. It was still a major event. But the 64 team tournament didn't start until 1985, and that's when we had the. That's really when the notion of brackets and those sorts of things began to really take off. And there's just a competition window there that I wouldn't even try to run up against whatsoever. I wouldn't. Um, number ten: Have each franchise operate its roster like a keeper league in fantasy football. Meaning every year, no more than you can keep no more than in reserve, no more than 10 of your players, depending on their contract status. And the rest go back into the pool for the annual draft. And, you, and, and that way, because you, you keep storylines fresh. There's a reason why Hulk Hogan was a hero. And then one day he started the NWO and became the ultimate heel, right? All right you, get, you, 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 storylines get stale. And that way, this guy's, you know, he's now, hey, how's, how would Tim Tebow work in this Nebraska Veer offense? Tim Tebow is now the quarterback for this run-and-shoot team. You know what I'm saying? And, and drama, controversy, I think, are consistently your friend if you're the XFL. This I love, and particularly since I've heard a little bit of other commentary, and some of it's been good, but a lot of it's been gimmicky, like um, allow once per quarter or people to like decide the play that's going to be run mm-hmm. yeah they do that in that, the afl it's, that, that yeah. that's not that does not a league make this what you just said a league makes that that is really interesting i mean that hit that's what people way more than wanting to call a play people want to do uh i mean heck and you what you just said adds a, to me uh, another gambling element to the yeah. thing. Betting on who's going to stay, who's yeah. going to go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely. You, anything you can do to give people a reason to invest in your product other than what the outcome of the game is on game day further reinforces your business model. And that's why the NFL is idiot proof. That's not to say it couldn't lose its purchase, the number one sport in America. It could, but it will never go away no matter how many people it offends, because there's so many other reasons for you to partake of their product other than what, you, what, what the outcome is for your favorite team. And if I were the XFL, I want to tap into that. Final thoughts. Aaron, I'll start with you. I'm more excited about this than I should be, and I was even before we did this podcast. I don't know. Can, can 2020 happen like tomorrow? Because that's, that's when it's starting. That's when the XFL is starting. I, I just want it to be here. I was I didn't even stop watching the NFL this year. I wasn't like mad at the well, I mean, 
ticked me off, but I didn't stop watching it. I just, I want more football. I need more football. You guys should know, a, a mutual friend gave me Shane McMahon, Shane McMahon's email address. That's Vince McMahon's son who helps him run all their business enterprises. Nice. I sent him this list on Sunday night. If I, I doubt I will get a reply. If I do, though, I'll let you know. Sweet. Okay. Todd, what'd you think? Oh, well, it's, it's great. My thoughts are a question. Chances that 10 years from now this league is in existence and a, a, th- a viable entity that's not going anywhere. I, I put that number at 25%. I think it could be higher. They have fourth. To me, if I were running the XFL, I would look at it as running an insurgent presidential campaign, which I have a little bit of experience with. Um, the NFL is the party establishment. And, there, and a lot of people continue to frequent it because they can't envision, even though they're not satisfied with it, they can't envision a world without it at the same time. To be a successful insurgent candidate, you need capital. Vince McMahon has that. Okay, You need opportunity, meaning the market needs to, there needs to be enough uncertainty in the market that people are, there's enough angry people to look at an alternative to the typical paradigm or status quo. I think we have that right now. Okay, the NFL is the Whigs. Uh, the XFL should be the Republican Party. Yeah, that's another way of looking at it. The next two things you need is you need a vision. Now, for a political campaign, that means I need a theme and 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 a and a, a, a policy or an issue that touches captures your imagination. Whether that's hope and change, whether that's courageous conservatives, as we did with the Cruz campaign, hope and change was Obama's. Okay. Then the fourth thing I need is I need a narrative. I need messaging that can consistently take what's going on in the world at that moment in my arena and tie it back to my vision. So once I capture people's imagination, I can hold on to that. I can I can hold on to their attention at the exact same time. Those are the two things he does not have that he can acquire if he makes the right decisions. When I the way I wrote this was an attempt. To, get, to provide him those other two options. He has the capital. $100 million to start out with is nothing to sneeze at. That's, that's his own money he's putting in. That's not ancillary investment, sponsors, etc. That's, that's serious cash. Okay? He has opportunity. Tw- just go get the 24% of people that didn't watch the NFL playoffs this year that watched them last year. That's millions of people, guys. I know we rag on the Pro Bowl and everybody hates it. It drew 8.9 million viewers. That it, the Pro Bowl, for all the joke it is, has would have had more ratings than every NBA game so far this season, but one. It would have been the seventh highest rated college football game of the year. So even if you just grab the 24% of people that watched the playoffs last year that didn't watch them this year, that's millions of people, guys. So the opportunity is there. Now what he needs is a vision. What's the framework of your league? Tell me why I care. And then I need consistent messaging that keeps people tapping into my zeitgeist, plugging in to the electrical current that I'm offering. Does that make sense? It does. We'll see what happens. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Don't forget our show today on CRTV. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. If you would like to watch, get a discounted subscription, not just with my name for our show, but also all the shows. My name gives you access to all the shows here on CRTV as well. Thank you for tuning in here today on the podcast. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like you.